in the U.S. And, you know, when I say first, it's not patting us on the back, but I just get really excited about sharing ideas. And now we have over 800 of them in the U.S. And this is the concept that was given to us from the U.K. And again, just a powerful, powerful thing of what sharing can do in the lives that can be impacted. And so if you're looking for a memory cafe, you can go to MemoryCafeDirectory.com, and Dave has put uh, the U.S. directory together. He's also doing other countries now, or maybe you're facilitating a memory cafe and you want to get in the directory. It's free, so just go to MemoryCafeDirectory.com. They'll get you all set up. I also want to thank all of the people that are collaborating and launching dementia-friendly movements around the world. Talk about fun and exciting. Again, a concept I personally learned about through the internet here and um, was able to work with the Lutheran Home Association to launch the first one in Watertown, Wisconsin years ago. And it's fun to see how much it spread. I want to thank all the Purple Angel Ambassadors spreading awareness and support along with comfort and resources. And if you're not part of that movement, you're going to want to check out the Purple Angel Project. You can go to alzheimerspeaks.com. Go to our projects and initiatives page and um, learn more about that there if you're in the U.S. Otherwise, when you go to that page, it'll direct you also if you are out of the country for, for information as well. I just have a few more thank yous to go and then we'll get on to our conversation here. All of the people and organizations that have collaborated um, with me or hired me to speak or train or consult or just expand their, expand their brand awareness, again, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. I, it's just, um, I, I love what I do. I am the luckiest person on earth. So thank you. To all the care partners and the caregivers, carers, care companions, <laughs> excuse me, who, who um, are meeting the need and are just being amazing examples of kindness and true good in our society. Um, you play such an important role, and it doesn't make any difference if you are a family member, a friend, or a professional. You have huge impact, and never forget that. And then to all of the wonderful family and friends who continue to support me and lift me um, through my work and, and my, my personal life, I am so excited to see what 2020 brings. And let this be an amazing year for each and every one of us around the world. Let the kindness reign and lift us all up. Let us step aside from our own egos and focus on the true good, the greater good, the impact, because what's good for dementia is truly good for each and every one of us out there. Um, so the last thing I have to do is I just promised I'd share a couple of events that are coming up. And on January um, 15th, I am going to be doing a presentation called Tools for Dementia Professionals at the Waters in White Bear Lake in Minnesota. And if you are interested in getting further information, just reach out to me on that. And then on January 30th, I will be doing a program called um, Why Families Act the Way They Do. And actually, that gives a two-sided perspective um, for staff to understand how they're acting as well. But this is meant for, um, for CEUs, and that'll be at Gable Pines in Badness Heights, Minnesota. I'll also be doing a webinar with uh, the Greenhouse Project on January 30th. And um, then on February 19th, I'm going to be doing a webinar with Educate. Uh, and that is going to be a virtual road trip. So um, we have lots of people out here. So let me get started here. And I am going to pull in. I know this is Wanda because I had time to talk with her um, a little bit prior. Um, Wanda, how are you doing today? Oh, pretty good, Lori. Pretty good. Why don't you tell people a little bit about yourself and why you decided to call in for open mic? Okay, a little bit about myself. Um, I am a Purple Angel ambassador and have been for about seven years. Um, my father had Alzheimer's, uh, wasn't formally diagnosed. We knew he had it in, I'm going to say, 85, 
formally diagnosed in 87. Um, technology in that back then was just terrible. Um, medications were wicked, and uh, it was it was very, very hard on him. Uh, Dad passed in 96, and at that time, I knew my mother was getting the beginning of Alzheimer's. So I look at it this way, that the good Lord had me go through it the first time so I could be twice as smart the second time. So I devoted my life to my mother and took care of her 24-7 until she went to heaven and I held on to her and held her hand. I comforted comforted her from all the blows. Um, In the beginning, we were able to travel. I stopped my life. I quit my job. I got her to New York to see her great aunt, and she wanted to see Niagara Falls, and we did that. Got down to Georgia. Then she wanted to go to Nashville. Uh, that was within about two years we did the traveling, and then the disease started grabbing her. Um, in the beginning, we didn't take the prescription medicine, medication right away. Took a lot of vitamins, made a lot of vitamin tinctures, and I started her on club moss, which is the herb that I got from uh, China. And now, I, it was oh, a couple of weeks ago, I Googled club moss. They're literally using that for Alzheimer's patients. Wow, words, I've, not, research, I've not heard of that. Yeah, the research that I did, it, it dissipated the white matter that was taking over the brain. Wow. And I swear to that, God, Lori, I swear to God that helped mom for, I'm going to say about seven years. Oh, that's and fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And during that time, then we did take the Alzheimer's medication. Um, Mom had a grand mal seizure in my arms, giving her a shower, and uh, she was diagnosed with Parkinson's and seizure disorder. Uh, And this is shortly after we moved to our beautiful place up north here. And um, they said she'd never walk again, and they were giving up on her. Well, I didn't. And um, I got a treadmill, and I held her. And we walked and walked, and I'll tell you what, she walked into that doctor's office seven months later, and they couldn't believe it. And her dog, I I literally have pictures of her dog would wait until I would tell Cody, okay, you can get on the treadmill, and dog walked with her. (laughs) Oh, cute. Well, if if people want to learn more about this herb, um, where is there a, a website that you suggest they go to, or Google it, and then you want to make sure that it's a very pure one. Um, with it, in the googling, they're going to find where it says that you know that it's dangerous and that it's you know, and I'll just leave it up to them to research and and see what the amount is. I used to make mom a shake every morning and mm-hmm. club moss. It it actually looks like oh like Italian seasoning. Okay. You know, but there's something in that club moss that protects the brain. Okay. Well thank and you for I, sharing I that. I swear with by us. that stuff. Thank you for sharing that. I, I you know here on Alzheimer's Speaks, we don't necessarily endorse anything, but I, I, I'm, I've always been a girl that I've liked to be able to pick my own options. And you know, if, if people don't yeah. share, then then we we can't have that choice. And so I appreciate you um, sharing your own personal story on this. And I know uh, Michelle it, it talked about um, being highly recommended and things too in terms of telling your story. So again, thank you so much. I'm going to go on to the next next caller, but I appreciate you joining us today. So thank you. Okay, Lori. And meanwhile, tell everybody to watch for my book. I journaled all those years taking care of mom and the book's name is going to be Lady Unafraid. Lady Unafraid? Correct. Okay, wonderful. Well, you'll have okay, to let me know Lori. when that comes out, and we can maybe do a show on your book as well. So thank you. Okay, sounds good. Thank you so okay. much. Thank you. I'm going to go to a caller who is, um, last numbers are 9793. Are you still with us, 9793? You're live and on I the sure air. I am. 
And who am I speaking with? I sure with? am. Hi, Lori. It's Michelle Darwin from Windward Foundation. Well, hi, Michelle. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? Well, I am doing I'm doing absolutely fantastic. Why don't you tell everybody about your organization and what you're up to? Sure. Um, first of all, thank you so much um, for this opportunity and thank you for all that you do because um, I, I watch you so carefully and you inspire me um, okay. in so many ways. And so thank you for all that you do. Um, so um, like many of you, I um, am the daughter of a parent um, who passed away from Alzheimer's disease. Uh, when I was a young wife, um, many years ago, my grandmother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease and my parents became her primary caregiver. And the family dynamics, the financial strain, um, all of it was just magnified um, because I was living far away and my husband was in the army at the time. And so, you know, I watched my parents who I had never seen raise their voices um, my entire life um, begin to just fall apart. And my siblings and I wondered if that was going to be the demise of their marriage. Um, it was just so very stressful. So then fast forward to, um, my dad, um, he started showing signs of Alzheimer's disease and, and then, um, he received his official diagnosis. And I took, um, a pretty big role as a primary caregiver for my dad, along with my mom. Um, but my mom at the time was really struggling with, um, denial and um, she just didn't know what to do so she just didn't do much of anything um, and so I kind of um, took that took that role and I lived through um, what so many of us do um, you know just watching watching Alzheimer's tear apart a person and sometimes a family so um, my brother and I after my dad passed away we co-founded a nonprofit foundation called Windward Foundation. We're headquartered in Herndon, Virginia, which is right outside of DC. And the mission of our foundation is to help ease the burden of caregiving for a loved one with Alzheimer's disease, the family caregiver, the unpaid caregiver. Um, and we do that through education, respite, and community. So we're just, this is a couple, we've been doing this for a couple of years. At first it was a part-time thing. Now it's a full-time thing and we've ramped up. We do a lot of caregiver education in the Washington DC area, Northern Virginia, Maryland, DC. Um, we do, um, we host and, and, and um, support several memory cafes. We, with music programs that provide respite to the caregiver um, and their loved one and um, we're growing a community of family caregivers so that they can, you know, provide support to each other. Um, and it's, it's wonderful. It's, it's, uh, it's, we have so many, you know, our strategic mission has, has so much happening for us in the future. And we're just plugging away one day at a time, trying to build this to what we want to see it be. Well, that's fantastic. I mean, we, we need so much support in all of the areas that you're focusing on. I, I hear people all around the world basically saying the same thing is, you know, a cure is nice, but we need care now. And we, you know, we can't wait for it to just completely go away. You know, we need, we need support and services. And so, boy, you're really jumping into the thick of things and, and making a great difference. So I, I so appreciate that. Do you want to give your website out if people maybe they want to donate or learn more about what it is you're doing? Absolutely. Um, we can be found at windwardfoundation.org. That's W-I-N-D-W-A-R-D foundation.org. Um, that's, that's our website. Information can be like e email. Um, my email, I'll just give my own email actually is Michelle. I have one L M I C H E L E dot D A R W I N at windward.com. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for taking time to, uh, to share with us today. I really appreciate it, Michelle. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to pull in the next caller now. I've got somebody at a number, a 6301. 6301, are you with us? I am. And who who am I speaking with? This is Mary. 
And Mary, wonderful. And Mary, where are you from? I am in the greater Boston area. Okay, great. And why did you decide to call in today, Mary? Well, I have a suggestion for people that is working so well for us. My husband is in a memory care unit right now. Uh, That's a fairly new thing. And um, he was in the hospital with some serious kinds of things. He's now out. But my daughter put on Facebook um, asking people who knew him that might have a memory of him that they would send him a card with a memory that was precious to them or something. And he has been getting those cards. I have a lovely box that someone gave me that I put them in. And, of course, he doesn't remember ever hearing the same letter or card over and over again. But he so enjoys the memories that people have. And I just, it was, it's a a no-brainer, I suppose. You know, people did respond. And if there are three or four letters, then I I would I read I read them every day to him. So sometimes it's after breakfast, sometimes it's whatever time I have that I can be down there. And I've told the people in the memory care that if they are looking for something to do with him, here's the box. You could read the letter or card to him. And it really it really makes a difference. It's a connection that is really quite special. So, if anybody wants to take the idea and run with it. Uh, It's been wonderful for my husband and actually for me too. I'm hearing stories that I didn't know. Oh, how that that is neat. I know when my mom um, had dementia, my dad had brain cancer and you're right. There is a period when people share and you hear things that you never would have heard before, but you need to do that ask. And it's, it's uh, very important. I actually created a, a tool called Your Memory Chip, which is a form that asks people, because a lot of times when they come to visit too, they don't know what to say or what to do. And it's just a, it's a form that allows them to put a picture on, tell a little bit about the picture, and then just leave it there. So it can be relived oh. over and over and over. And that's and then it's cool what you're doing because now they're coming in the mail and that can, you know, people can receive that anywhere. And I love that you're saving them in a box. So it's not a one-time thing. You really are preserving and you're finding those moments of joy and just letting them replay over and over. Um, that's just a really cool concept. I'm so glad you called in and shared that with us, Mary. Thank you. Yeah. Thank well, you very I hope much. it will work for someone else. It's been really fun for both of us. Well, great. Well, thank you. And best of luck. Sure to the two of you on your journey and um, feel free to, to call in anytime on open mic. We always love to hear, hear people's ideas. So again, uh, Mary from the greater Boston area, thank you so much for calling in. All right. Thank you. Um, next, I'm going to pull in somebody and they're the last numbers of, of their phone are 1157. So 1157, 1157. Are you there? Hi, Lori. It's, this is Van from Educate Training Institute. Oh, wonderful. I talked with Pam today, and she said that you would probably you be call, calling in. Yeah, because we were talking about doing one of your, your um, virtual road uh, trip uh, webinars, which I'm excited to be part of. But why don't you tell people a little bit about um, Educate and what all you're up to? I will. Thank you. So um, Educate Training Institute is, uh, we are a training company. Um, We have programs for uh, training of uh, caregivers and um, people that are are primarily professional caregivers, although our programs can be used with family caregivers as well. Um, So uh, we are based in Texas, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, uh, and we do training all over the country uh, and uh, starting to be in other parts of the world as well. Uh, We have two primary programs. 
Um, we are the, the creators and providers of Dementia Live, which is a dementia simulation experience. It is an opportunity for people to actually um, be in the world of someone living with dementia uh, in order for them to um, better understand what that world is actually like. So they get the opportunity to experience some of the uh, symptoms of dementia uh, and then for a very brief time uh, try to function with those uh, symptoms. So it's an incredibly um, eye-opening experience for, uh, and it's great for anyone and everyone, for care providers, for uh, healthcare professionals, for families, for people in the community that um, might encounter someone with dementia, which is really all of us. Uh, it's wonderful for first responders. Um, so uh, anyway, it's, it's, a, it's an incredibly rich program um, that serves lots and lots of needs. As well, um, our other program is called Compassionate Touch. And compassionate touch is using um, skilled touch and communication um, to help prevent behavioral expression in people with dementia um, and those at end of life. So it's recognizing the touch deprivation that um, especially people with dementia experience um, because people are um, not don't always understand how to build those connections and those relationships with people with dementia. And touch is a vital part of that and something that many uh, in our aging communities uh, are uh, not getting and, and are actually experiencing touch deprivation. And so it's a program to know how to use that and um, techniques that can be used to um, build those connections with people because those connections um, are what can uh, make the care better and stronger. So again, it's for uh, professional cares, uh, but it is wonderful for families, for volunteers, uh, anyone that knows or spends time with someone with um, dementia. So those are two programs, two of our main programs. Um, we are uh, have had the opportunity to receive some um, civil monetary uh, program grants so that we're able to go out into some states uh, and uh, take um, one or both of these programs into um, nursing facilities, uh, Medicaid and Medicare facilities. And um, we are, we have, uh, the program is currently in Australia. We're beginning it in Canada. Um, and uh, we are growing and um, really uh, passionate about about changing the, the culture of care um, for those living with dementia in our communities. Oh, that is absolutely fantastic. And I love that you have those grant funds, you know, so that people can, can really um, pick up these skill sets and have a better understanding. I love the, you know, the virtual um, tours that you do because people don't really understand what it's like. And, and it's, it's very, very powerful and the compassionate touch. You know, I, I use the phrase uh, multi-sensory engagement and I, I just don't think people understand the importance of such little things like touching someone's shoulder or cheek or holding a hand and, you know, as we age, we touch less and less. And um, especially for people who are placed, um, you know, or living in a community um, of their of their own doing or not, it doesn't make any difference. You know, things just change, and yet that really can fill the soul. How do people get a hold of of Educate? So um, our uh, website is educate.com, and that's A G E U C A T E educate.com uh, and uh, you can go there and find information on all of our programs. Um, you can also find our phone number there as well um, as where uh, all of our staff is listed on there. Uh, so I'm on there. Uh, my uh, personal, my business e email address is van, that's V, like Victor, A-N-N, at educate.com, um, and we would love to share more information uh, on our programs and, and where they are and, and uh, other, if other people are interested um, in becoming providers of our programs or just learning more about it, we'd love to talk to them. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to, to share with us today, Van, and um, again, check out Educate. Um, they're really doing some fabulous work. Um, around the world, and there's no reason they can't come to your neck of the woods. So 
Uh, sort of, <laughs> Absolutely. Go, go to their website and uh, and uh, check them out. Thank you again, Van. Great. Um, thanks, Lori. We appreciate it. Thank you. Um, next, I'm going to go to a 3052 number, 3052. Are you with me? Hi, Lori. This is Nancy Connor. Oh, hi, Nancy. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you? I am doing fabulous. I'm uh, gearing up for 2020, and it seems like it's going to be an awful fast pace this year. So why don't you share with people a little bit about your story and what you're up to? Okay, thanks, and Happy New Year. So I wanted to share, I met Lori, I guess, about a year and a half ago at a an Alzheimer's Association meeting. And what brought me to the meeting is I have multiple family members who had Alzheimer's and dementia, my father, two grandparents, my father's sister, and and my father needed help with dressing. He struggled with dressing after breaking his hip multiple times. And the nurses and aides didn't want to take time to dress my dad in his desired attire of button-down shirts and slacks. So they put him in sweatpants and sweatshirts, and I thought there has to be a better way for people to have their dignity, confidence, independence, and ease of dressing for the caregiver and individuals. So I left my career in corporate America after 25 years and started a clothing business called Smart Adaptive Clothing, and we use Velcro for fasteners on the blouses and shirts. So the blouses and shirts look traditional with buttons out front, but we actually use Velcro to fasten, so it's really easy. Well, and you've really, um, you know, when I first met you, you had you had kind of one basic style, but you've expanded now. It looks like from that um, last I saw, which is is very exciting. And they do; they look, I mean, they look freshly pressed and just perfect, you know. Um, and you know, it's not your it isn't, I think, what people would expect when they think of Velcro, um, because it is a really classy look that you've that you've designed, which is really nice. Um, well, thanks. So go ahead. That's okay. I was just going to say thank you. I appreciate that. That's that's exactly what I want for people that they feel stylish and feel good about themselves or their family member or someone in the community. If you're in a professional setting. Yeah, and this is something that can make a great gift, and, you know, it just makes life easier for everyone. I remember when my mom would get really frustrated as she progressed in the disease, and, I mean, we had trouble from everything from, you know, putting on shirts because she didn't have the fine motor skills to do things, and and even putting on bras um, was just a very difficult task, you know, for her to do, and I would have loved to have had, because we ended up going everything pullover, you know, and 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 yeah. she was always a little bit more casual. I, if I remember correctly, your dad was always more in a business attire and and things. And um, and I loved how you saw the need and wanted to preserve his dignity, and and created this concept. I think it's a I think it's just a wonderful wonderful company that you've designed and um, helping many many people out there. Are you looking at at doing any expansion other than shirts or are you going to kind of stay in that mode? We are going to expand. So I wanted to start in the shirts and blouses and, you know, develop a a brand that people realize is out there to help them uh, help with quality of life and establish that with different designs and contrasting designs that are fun. So our next phase will be slacks for men and women. So I don't have a horizon yet. I don't have a timeline. It will happen in 2020. But um, we would like to have something like a khaki pant and jeans because I get that request every day along with the undergarments, as you mentioned. So, I mean, it's literally from babies to seniors and everything in between. So I'm starting starting slowly so I scale it and build it properly so phase two will be slacks. Okay wonderful well and the other thing you know this show is on dementia and and caregiving but 
I mean, there are so many people that are dealing just with arthritis, and we don't really even consider that. You know, it's just something people have learned to live with um, over time. But, you know, a, a product like this can just make their life so much easier. Somebody who's lost fine motor skills, maybe because of a stroke, um, you know, and again, it could be dementia-related or not. It doesn't really make any difference. But it not only can help the person um, who's got the diagnosis, but the care partner in terms of the ease of the dressing. I, I remember with my mom, you know, it, ha- it had to be simple or she would get frustrated and then it would take us twice as long mm-hmm. to do anything. And, and so I think people have to look at it from both sides as well in terms of um, – who it, it's helping the whole process and it's helping the, you know, the dignity and, um, and just people feeling comfortable in their own skin and feeling like they fit in. I, I think it's tremendously important, especially in this day and age. So um, thank you so much for calling in. You want to give people contact information so they can learn more about your company, Smart Adaptive would- Clothing? Thank you. Yes, that would be great. So our website is, smartadaptiveclothing.com and the same for Facebook and Instagram, smartadaptiveclothing.com and we would be happy to help you. We're so thrilled to know and work with Lori. Thanks for all of your help and making our lives easier. We really appreciate you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. And thanks for taking the time to call in and keep me posted so when when your slacks are ready to launch, you know, we can we can help lift you up more there because it is something that people need to know about. And, you know, one of the things I found in caring for my folks is you don't know what you don't know. You know, so you right. don't even know what's out there to look for it a lot of times. Right. And, and Google has made that a little bit easier, but it's still, it's still one of those things. You don't know what you don't know. Um, and there's not a whole way around that unless we, Unless we share information like we're doing today and we continue to, to lift other people up and um, and just share the knowledge. doesn't do any good just uh, keeping it in a little, you know, safety deposit box. <laughs> we, have to, we have to let others know about, about what, what resources are there to help. So thank you so much for calling in today, Nancy. Appreciate it. Thank you, Lori. Thanks. I'm going to call in next. We've got a, another caller on the line. And they are um, a 0339-0339. Let me see if I can pull you up here. My computer is spinning a hair. There, it looks like we've got you. And who is 0339? Hello. Hi. That's and me. Who am I t- My name is Arthena. My name is Arthena Caston. I'm calling you from Macon, Georgia. Okay, wonderful. And what um, what brought you to call in today? Actually, I had a friend who's a friend of yours, Michelle. Uh, I started speaking with her last week or this weekend. I met her, um, actually, and she wanted me to call in and let you know and just talk. Uh, I actually am 54. I was diagnosed with uh, early-onset dementia at uh, 51 three years ago. Okay. So I'm living that that, um, dream, as they call it, every day. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm so glad you called in because I'm all about um, raising the voice of those diagnosed. And um, please know you are, I don't know if you do a lot with the computer or not, but I have a thing called Dementia Chats where I actually facilitate a conversation with a panel of people with dementia. We just pick a topic and we, we talk about it. And we've talked about, um, you name it, we've talked about it. We've talked about pets and care partners and dementia-friendly communities and um, pain and depression and y- you you name it, all kinds of things. Um, and we would oh. love to have you, you join us. Um, if you're interested, maybe reach out to me on Facebook and I will, I can uh, add you to my list. Uh, you know, and I'd be happy to. to. I'd be happy we'd, to. We'd love to have you be part. Do you mind sharing with us how you felt when you got your diagnosis and, and what made you go to the doctor it was kind of strange i actually had been working in the insurance industry for about 20 years uh and all of a sudden things that i had known forever i just didn't know it was harder and getting harder and harder for me to do claims and things uh such as that 
And I just told my husband, I said, I can feel my personality because I've always had a real bubbly type personality, always been able to talk to anybody. I just felt like I was beginning to forget things. But it was not um, that it was I knew that something was wrong because I just didn't feel well. And so I automatically started thinking, I better check into this because my father had had Alzheimer's and six of his brothers and sisters had had it. So, but they had it in a, in a later stage, like it's stage 70, 75. So I wasn't really concerned too much about the Alzheimer's at first. And then, as I said, as the time went on and I just couldn't seem to get myself together. And then the craziest thing was that every time I would go to a doctor, he would just say, oh, I think you're just going through menopause or that type thing. And that went on for three and a half years. But me knowing myself more than anybody, I knew that it was more than menopause that I was going through. So I finally went to two or three doctors, went to a neurologist, to a neurosurgeon, and they finally told me, um, yeah, that's what it is. Well, so, you know, my mom was my mom was told for ten years that it was menopause, oh. and you oh, know that oh. was she's been gone five years now. She lived with it for thirty, and um, wow. and she just my mom would always say, "This ain't my girlfriend's menopause." <laughs> she said, I mean, she she just she just knew, you know. She talks with her friends, and her symptoms were very different and very distinct, and. Yet she could not, for the life of her, get anybody to to believe her, and so that was uh-huh. extremely frustrating as a family. Um, needless to say, and and for her, and then you know we finally we took her in for testing, and when they did the testing, they did the um, the ten question te- test. Well, that day she had a really good day, and she passed with flying colors, and then she really didn't want to talk about it anymore. Because she said she didn't have it because she passed. And then my dad ended up with brain cancer. And mom had definitely progressed. And, and we said, we've got to get her in for, there's got to be some other kind of testing out there. And so they they did do that. And then it came back, oh, she's got the mentality of a three-year-old, don't let her out of your sight. We're like, oh, thanks so much. Wow. You know? um, so it was pretty pretty drastic change. But she, you know, she lived a really good life. The majority of those three years, it was probably the last four that were, you know, more the final stages and, and much more limiting in terms of, of what she could do. Um, how did your family react to your diagnosis? Um, my husband has, you know, we talk about it because we travel a lot for the Alzheimer's Association. I'm with the uh, ESAG, uh, Early Stage Alzheimer's Advisory Group. So we travel uh-huh. a lot uh, talking about it, and so um, he said that he pretty much knew that something was going on. My daughter was planning a wedding. It was so strange because my son-in-law was in Afghanistan, and my daughter was in California, both Air Force, and I was trying to plan a wedding for them in California. I mean, excuse me, in Charleston, South Carolina, and she would say, well, I told you to do this, Mom, and she just kept saying, well, did you do it? Did you do it? And I had just totally forgot about doing some of the things that so we need, ended up having to get a planner. But it was just little things like that that just kept saying, oh. So when my daughter finally, when they finally gave him, gave him the diagnosis, my husband was in shock, but he was, he was, um, I'm, I'm sure as any other husband, he was hurt because he didn't know, you know, what, what he would do. But he would always said and always told me, he would always said, uh, my, my, uh, I was put on this earth to take care of you. And so mm-hmm. you don't think that you're going to be taking care of somebody at age 51. You know, that's not something that you think about. Um, my daughters took a little harder than they, because they remember their grandfather having it. So mm-hmm. like I said, every day is a new day. Um, I do live, as I said, joyfully with it. I, I just, my job is to show people that you can, even with Alzheimer's, even with dementia, that that doesn't just put you at a stopping point that you can continue to move on and and grasp life and keep moving with it and be happy with that. And that's what I do. That's a, that's a wonderful, wonderful message. And I think so many people, um, you know, they go to the doctor and the doctors aren't very hopeful most of the time and they believe them. They believe this is, you know, just prepare for the end. And, um, Uh and, Uh and, you know, we're seeing more and more, um, how long people are living with this disease. 
and you know and can live a, a good life with it if they if they choose to focus on that and not get sucked down kind of the the depression hole which you know can can easily happen um you know it's it's not an easy disease i don't mean to uh, downplay that at all but um there are so many opportunities and especially nowadays too when you know finally socially we're talking about it and um yes. it's out in yes. it's out in the open it's not hidden in the closet and there are you know support groups and and well look at you you're out there touring and speaking and and giving a new face <laughs> yeah. to the disease and I remember here, I'm in Minnesota, uh, we'd go down to, you know, the, the legislators, and, and I remember one year just pulling them aside and saying, you know, you got to change the face of who this is, <laughs> you know, and, and the next year that they did, they really changed the face, because it, it wasn't, you know, just a bunch of old people in wheelchairs that couldn't communicate anymore, and that's really the message that had been sent out for so long that it was only the very old and the very frail, you know, that, that got dementia. And, um, you know, I love to see so many young active people out there um, speaking and changing the world. Um, and and do well, we you feel, try really hard. Yeah. I, I'm going to ask you what might sound like a silly question, but I've heard this from so many people diagnosed who kind of step into that advocacy role and say, well, this is the hand I'm dealt. This is this is how I'm gonna play the game, and I've I've heard from so many that they say that they feel so purposeful in a way that they never did before having the disease. Um, that's what I've been actually told. I do feel um, when people talk to me now, especially because I actually, with me being not only African American, being a young woman, it's. It's I, my my role. I feel is to reach out to my community. My role is to reach out to women uh, and let them know. You know, number one, when they the the first article that was written about me in my hometown newspaper said the new face. She is the new face of Alzheimer's, and everybody just thought this can't be. This cannot be because you know again, like you said, you're looking at a older person. You're not thinking of anybody as young as I am, but I I feel so deep down every time I give a speech, every time I talk to someone, every time me and my husband have has a speak at a conference, that we walk away with people who come to us after and say, Thank you. Thank you for letting us know that I shouldn't be ashamed. I, I felt like I knew something was wrong. So it does it, I, whether I reach one person or whether I reach fifty persons, I let them all know, you know, don't be ashamed. That stigma that you're carrying or that is is out there there's no need for that. Let's just move on and enjoy every day, every day. Agree. And, you know, you being African-American, we need a lot more of your voices to be heard. Um, same with the Asian community. And, um, you know, because people don't understand, they, they don't understand the reach. They don't understand the cultural differences. And I'm not pretending that I, that I understand them all either. Um, but we need to have these conversations of of how and why and you know I'm a I'm a girl that likes to focus on our similarities versus our differences. Um, uh-huh. But in terms of learning about differences, it just expands our knowledge and it makes us I think more compassionate people and I think we can serve better um, when people speak in an authentic voice. And uh, you know, to me, inclusion is just everything. We just we need to expand that net, and instead of people feeling trapped in the net, feeling like, "Hey, no, come fishing with us," <laughs> you know, um, be yes, on the other yes. side. And and that sounds like a you know kind of a, a goofy thing to say, but I think a lot of times people are afraid of being trapped or being more stigmatized and being caught in the net. And what you're really doing is breaking down barriers. So I, I thank you so much for for calling in, and <clears throat> and I'm going to reach out to you on Facebook. And um, see about if you're interested in joining us for the dementia chats. I'd love to love to have you. Uh, I'd be happy to. I'd us. be happy to. I really okay. do. Like I said, it's just no. The more people that you talk to, to get more people talking, it'll be you know the, the easier it gets and the better it gets. So if you reach out, I'd be happy to to, to answer and, and be a part of your uh, chat grid at any time. 
Okay, sounds good. And do you want to um, give people contact information for you on Facebook or email? Sometimes people are comfortable with that, other times they're not. And so I don't want you to feel pressured sure. one way or the other. Oh, no, that's fine because they can always find me. I'm Like I said, I'm with the uh, early stage advisory group for the Alzheimer's Association. Or you can, my email um, or my Facebook information is Arthena, A-R-T-H-E-N-A, last name Caston, C-A-S-T-O-N. Wonderful. Well, thank you again so much for calling in and sharing. And thanks, Michelle, for me. Um, I just love her to death. I and do. she is just such an amazing woman. Her, her and I have not met yet um, physically. Oh, she's powerful. She is. Yep, yep. But we will one of these days. So, again, thank you for calling in. I'm going to go to um, our next caller online here. I can't believe our hour is almost up. This person is a 0966. 0966. Are you there? I'm here. Hi, Lori. Hi. And who am I speaking with? This is, uh, I'm Raymond Stanton, Ray Stanton uh, from Chicago, um, and actually um, uh, Michelle Wilson um, is who uh, first contacted me, and I did a couple speaking um, uh, engagements with her on Chicago South Side, um, and I'm about to start uh, doing some uh, more work with the Alzheimer's Association here in Chicago. Wonderful. Now, are you a musician? I might see you're a musician or else no, I, to a um, couple of people. No, I um I do work with uh with uh with an organization that works with children on the south side that that's uh I'm on the board of directors that does theater and um uh dance and I, I'm an artist uh but you know, worn a lot of different hats in my life. But um okay. being, being the person to um you know make the decisions and care for my mother has certainly been a different hat than any of the others. Mm-hmm. And so, you, I was just going to say, if you can I'm, expand on that a little bit, that'd be great. Yeah. My mother, you know, one of the things that initially was really difficult for me um, is that my mother is IQ untestable. She, she's 87 years old now. Um, she uh, is, is, probably the most intelligent person I've ever known in my life. And so, you know, the having Alzheimer's affect her mental capabilities was, was a difficult thing. Um, the first, the first challenge I really encountered was, uh, you know, people talk about this thing they call therapeutic line and I just couldn't do it. Um, uh, initially, you know, in terms of, and, you know, I, I, I used avoidance techniques instead when she would talk about wanting to go, you know, back to the house. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, one of the thing, the other thing that was difficult was my mother had been bipolar. And so I had a really privileged childhood and I also had a childhood with, uh, you know, with abuse in it. And I, I moved back back to Chicago, uh, 35 years after leaving and living in the Cincinnati area, um, to take, you know, help take care of her. I had had a lot of, uh, personal loss and grief in my own life. And, uh, uh, I moved back up here. I kept her in her home, um, uh, in, uh, about an hour and a half from the house I grew up in, which is I'm in now. Um, and when she, you know, for a, kept her in her home for a couple of years with nursing, and then it became evident she, you know, she had to go to um, um, a, a care facility. And, um, oh, the beginning was just awful. I would go there, and she would be in high gear, happy when I arrived. But when I would go to leave, it would trigger her. And, um, you know, I'm an only child. Um, my mother would tell me that she hoped I knew, you know, that she hated me and she prayed that I would die and go to hell. It was just horrible things and used words that I've never heard, you know, never heard her use. And Mm -hmm. we, you know, the whole thing with this journey is that you just don't know what's around the corner. And, you know, you kind of think you're you get your footing and you learn techniques and then suddenly everything changes. Um, At one point they, 
sent her to the north suburbs of Chicago to a psych ward for evaluation because she had refused to take a med. And the new med that they put her on because they could kind of slip it in was Respiradol. Um, and that made a world of positive change. That's allowed, I'm really grateful that that's allowed uh, my mother and I to have, just appreciate each other. Um, mm-hmm. And and I haven't had to listen to that that other stuff. You know, they talk about caregivers taking care of themselves. Wow. Uh, my blood pressure was rising 10 points a week at a certain point. And I had two TIAs. And, you know, I actually had to stop. You know, the nursing home said you can't come and visit your mom three days a week, drive an hour and a half from Chicago, and, and, and vomit in the parking lot every time before you leave. I mean, that it was really yeah. getting to me. So I'm blessed and happy that, you know, we got to a point that's just pure um, love and appreciation for one another. I, you know, I would say that um, for me, one of the things that, you know, obviously that was a huge component. But in terms of, of my own personal journey, I would say what helped a lot was um, compassion, you know, I've, I've, I, I work a lot on Chicago's South Side. I work with children. I'm, I'm, I'm very much a justice warrior. And, you know, that having been said, I would say I always have been, always have been, you know, for the, for the underdog. I've always been a champion mm-hmm. for the underdog. My mother became the underdog. Um, there was so much sadness that I felt over what I saw happening with her. And I, I was able to so much you know, put myself in her shoes. And I think if you can, if you can remember that they were young once, they had their whole lives, hopes and dreams ahead of them, um, that that can be a really helpful tool to compassion and forgiveness. Um, um, And at that point, um, you know, I was able to really, move on with, you know, the, the, the trying to make every moment with her positive and happy for her and create good memories for myself. And, oh, um, wonderful. so, so that's, that's been an important, an important thing right now. She's under hospice care, um, congestive heart failure, as well as the Alzheimer's. And, you know, I'm, we're probably looking at, you know, who knows, short period of time. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, how grateful am I that we are found our way to a place where, you know, now my mother, you know, it's weird. I can be with, with her all day and walk out in the hallway for five minutes and walk back in the room. And she's like surprised to see me. However, Mm -hmm. she hasn't lost the ability to have amazing conversations about things that happened to her in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s, and she remembers everything. Um, So this this disease is, um, it's just, you you have to learn to go with the flow. But I think, Mm -hmm. first of all, you have to, you know, find a way to, like I say, for me, it was compassion. It was compassion and forgiveness. And that came from, you know, really remembering one of the, that, that, you know, she was not always this way. And, um, and that's sad. And it took that sadness for me to really be able to not take things personally and kind of, kind of turn the situation around. Um, one of the, one of the talks that I did, I made 30 inch posters of, I had a couple pictures of her when she was not in a good place. And then I had two of her wedding pictures from 1954. And wow, you know, the, the, the people in the audience, I mean, I, I got done with that, with that talk and everyone came up to me and said, Oh my gosh, you made us laugh. Then you made us cry. Then you made us laugh. Then you made us cry again. And, um, I thought afterwards, wow, that's pretty much how being a caregiver to someone with Alzheimer's goes, you know, there's there's up and down. Well, and I think it's really important to give people permission to express their feelings. You know, that's, that's what I do. I call, 
I call it emotional based training because uh-huh. I don't think we can expect others um, to to be that authentic and be that vulnerable if we're not ourselves, if we're not talking through an authentic voice. So I so appreciate um, the work that you're doing and the, the sharing of the journey. I, our hour is up here, so I have to cut you off, but we will do more of these um, open mics. Um, I know Reverend Jeanette Jordan had just uh, written in as well, and um, oh, she's, I don't she's even... Amazing. Yeah, and I don't even have time to, to read what all she has. Um, but I guess last, um, Ray, did you want to give a contact information out really quick for yourself at all, or can people find you on uh, Facebook? Yeah, on on, on Facebook. Um, I'm on Facebook under uh, Raymond Stanton. Um, okay, so, um, great. Thank you. Thank you so much, everybody. And we will talk soon. Bye now. Hi, this is Suzanne Newman, host of the Answers for Elders podcast and radio show. We are the North Star that guides you through the complicated journey of senior care with trusted experts in money, law, living solutions, and more. So join us on this station, your favorite podcast channel, or just go to AnswersForElders.com. Meet the Wayshowers who will help your journey a lot easier.